You are listening to the Comets Tale podcast with Caitlin. And Ty. And today we're going to be talking a lot about a few different things. Um, it's going to be probably a little bit disjointed and more of a freeform conversation, I expect, um, just because it's a lot of um, intangible stuff. Um, I see that you have a book that mm. you'll be drawing from. I do not have a book that I'll be drawing from. I'll be drawing from my brain. Cool. <laughs> per usual. Um, but we're going to be talking today about um, alchemy, about astrology, and kind of about the the elemental forces the magic of life. Within. The magic within. Going to be very... Um, What's the word? <laughs> Loft, I, not lofty, but I, I, like the metaphysical. Word that, the word that came to my mind was musky. It's gonna be a very musky one today. <laughs> um, metaphysical, I guess. Um, less uh, drawn to a a book or work. It's just about um vibes, pure vibes today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I guess a good jumping off point would be to say that I have um, not studied astrology, but like been kind of in this astrology world. The astrological milieu. <laughs> For, uh, I don't know, that's how I was raised. <laughs> I, I was raised with the knowledge raised the of who I was um, as like, as far as like, my zodiac sign as far as like um watching planet transits um you know kind of in this nearly pagan sort of wheel of the year situation where we're just constantly living in these cycles well and your mother is a matron of tarot also yeah yeah that's another thing um is that i don't know i don't really like the word the occult but, mm-hmm. like, my mom has read tarot cards for, God, almost 50 years at this point. Wow. Um, just started mm-hmm. at a young age and has been doing it for a very long time. And so I grew up with that sort of knowledge of um, what the, like, what tarot is and what astrology is. Um, and I think it's been the past, in the past two years or so, I've really formed my uh social media feeds and other um like ways of learning about the world with this sort of astrological metaphysical information being um like pretty accessible to me and so I've learned a lot in the past few years of just being an adult and choosing to uh to listen to these creators and to listen to these learned astrologists um and yeah so that's kind of my background on why I want to talk about it is because it is a lens through which I see the world um I don't think it's the only lens um but I enjoy it and Mm. I was just telling someone recently I was like I don't know how this is true but (laughs) it is um I don't know the mechanics of it all I couldn't tell you the mechanics of it all but all I know is that there are some really eerie accurate shit um about a lot of these transits especially recently with um the United States Pluto return and um I was seeing a bunch of birth chart reads of Will Smith <laughs> uh at the Oscars um and how astrology served this purpose of like explaining uh some or some conditions with which these actions could have happened yeah. um I also saw a read recently of, you know, this, here's why I think Jessica Chastain is going to win best actress based on her birth chart. And she did win best actress. Um, Mm. so yeah, I don't know. That's my background. Um, I'm really into it maybe a little bit too much. So, um, but I really just think it's fun and a really impactful way to look at the world. So, um, what what do you make of astrology or um what what are your what is your knowledge on it 
Not very much. I mean, I today I wanted to speak for myself more to like the alchemical side of things, um, as that's been something that I've been interested in recently, um, maybe in the last six months or year or so. Um, and I think my, my interest more lays there. But yeah, similarly, I think like having been exposed more recently to something like astrology, like, first of all, I just think it's fun. Like, I like having um, a system to kind of like, in a very rough draft way, kind of just like make sense of people or events or forces, like, not really with regard to whether it's like true or not. Um, I don't regard astrology for myself as a source of truth in and of itself, but I certainly do latch on to or appreciate like the synchronicities or the the kind of resonances or the confirmations that you might see between, as you mentioned, like, you know, why a certain person succeeded and won an award or something, or why such and such event is happening, how that matches up in the astrological weather. Um, but I wanted to share actually a quote that maybe could also set the foundation here um because both astrology and alchemy and you know their relations i think are well they're epistemologies meaning their ways of seeing or their cosmologies their metaphysical systems for giving like an aesthetic and symbolic vocabulary to the world and, and applying you know a lens that helps you really hone in on otherwise just random chaotic um meaningless events in a certain way in a way that to the faculties of the human mind becomes meaningful and relevant. And this is a quote from the anthropologist Clifford Geertz, who was one of the really seminal anthropologists of the study of religion. And um, he provided a definition of religion in his studies. And this is what it is. He says, quote, a religion is a system of symbols which acts to establish powerful, pervasive, and long-lasting moods in men by formulating conceptions of a general order of existence and clothing those conceptions with such an aura of factuality that the moods and motivations seem uniquely realistic. And so I guess I view along these lines, I view both astrology and alchemy as um, systems of meaning. Um, and as he says, uh, a system of meaning that clothes uh, our sense of reality with a sense of unique um, resonance and reality and, and truth and recognizability. Um, uh, and I think what I've, I'm just thinking also of another thinker who, who's, whose work kind of uh, has been relevant to me. It's, um, I think he's a professor of theology or, or of religious studies, uh, Thomas More, uh, who's written a number of books, but one of them being A Religion of One's Own. We were just cut off by a telemarketer call, but um, <laughs> I was bringing up a book by the author Thomas More called A Religion of One's Own, um, which is basically his response to what he sees as kind of the the decline of religion as in its traditional form and the rise of sort of secular, spiritual materialist um, thinking and worldviews that really is severed from what he, what he thinks are the, the really positive and important aspects of any kind of religious or metaphysical system, which is its ability along the lines of Gertz to, or Geertz to give meaning to the world, to provide an apparatus for really implanting yourself in the world in a way that's animated and non-alienated and um, connected. And, but his point is that, you know, we can still recuperate a lot of these, um, I guess, kind of um, virtues of religion or of religious thinking and kind of let go at the same time of the dogmatic or the kind of anti-rationalist um, tendencies of, of religions. We can, in the kind of postmodern way, combine lots of systems of meaning and aesthetic systems and symbols uh, into a vocabulary or a system of, of relating and of knowing the world and ourselves and our own experiences in a way that is idiosyncratic to to oneself yeah. and I mean it's a very kind of general basic premise but I think it's a good one to work with and I think that informs I think our both of our relations with systems like astrology and alchemy yeah sure. is uh, we relate to it in such a way that it's it's um 
a matter of, of taking a, a symbolic system that's out there and at the same time um, putting it in terms that are relevant to our own lives and lived contexts and experiences and intuitions, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, so I guess we can get into, you know, an, an interplay of how it affects us or like certain things that are, um, I guess for me, I like to say it is true as far as like these things, the circumstance is true, whether or not astrology is true, it's a cool lens to look at through it at at true things. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, um, when we were here over the more, uh, limited part of the pandemic we had two other friends here in our hometown with us that we would kind of those kind of our kind of group that we would hang out with um and we felt like we could do that safely and we had many a night around a campfire Mm. (laughs) just hanging out in the winter um waiting out the 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 plague so to speak um but it just so happens that all of these friends, all of us, are Earth signs. <laughs> um, there's two Virgos and two Tauruses. Mm. And um, we thought that that was kind of funny of just, like, this is where we find ourselves at, at, like, a very um, bare-bones part of our life. The people that are around us are Earth signs, are are bottom like all reliables all all reliables rock rock steady earth signs um and we i don't know we've made a lot of subsequent jokes about it of just like and and real like very true realizations where um i am a virgo and i generally most of my friends tend to be tauruses or at least earth signs um because i have a a couple of capricorn friends as well that's not to say that all of my friends are earth signs but the most enduring and um deep friendships i would say are by and large Mm. all earth signs right um and so I think that's that's like an interesting way that us personally that we have like uh, realized this interplay, realized this um, these alchemical reactions mm. with people is that you know my friends, the people that I can count on, are earth signs. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. I'm just thinking, you know, the kind of the, the four basic elements here of. Um, earth uh water air and fire how generally they all have their own kind of associations or capabilities you know as we mentioned with earth as an element it's stability it's groundedness it's kind of a connection to the material to to landscape to to things and kind of like a very kind of human way of relating to others and to to really anything at all Uh, and there are fire signs i have I have a lot of fire sign uh, relationalities in my life, actually. And, you know, these people are being very witty and quippy and um, playful and just kind of eccentric and... Adventurous. Yeah, and to kind of notice that um, play with, like, my own earthen energy, um, how there's the fusion, the coming together of a kind of stability and an integrity and this kind of exploratory inclination of a fire sign um and similarly the kind of emotionality of 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 water energy or the the kind of um intuition and mental energy of air signs um and to think about also how we all have these kinds of our own makeup inside of Mm -hmm. us that we all have these these kinds of elements playing in different ways and how we can tap into them in different regards and um, yeah, to think alchemically here, well, I wanted to just maybe speak briefly about the history of what alchemy is to provide a little bit of information about that. Um, I was thinking about this and I was realizing, I think alchemy has really been here, what I would call alchemy has been here for all of human history. Humans have always been doing alchemy. And it's also my claim that we are all alchemists and we're all doing alchemy anyway, whether we realize it or not, because at a basic level, at its most basic level, Alchemy is just the act of transforming something. Alchemy is the act of uniting 
materials of all kind, be they physical or symbolic or um, energetic, we're always doing that in, in so many regards. If you cook something, that's alchemy. You're doing alchemy as far as I'm concerned. Um, and it's a choice. Delicious I think. alchemy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a choice to recognize whether you're doing alchemy or not. And I think that's something I wanted to talk about later. But um, so alchemy is the act of transformation and of, of poesis. It's the our human capability to create something out of nothing to create something that wasn't there before with materials that we have available to us. Um, well, it's not out of nothing most of the time. Right. It's adding something to something to create something new. But it's also like the self-emergence of something. Like, mm. um, I don't have an example at the top of my head, but it's it's creating something that was not there otherwise that comes together through fusion. So it's fusion. A, a birth of something new. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but alchemy is a kind of more formalized mode of knowledge came about in the first few centuries AD in Hellenistic Egypt when there was a real renaissance of um, scientists, artists, philosophers, um, religious thinkers who were kind of converging in the city of Alexandria in particular. And alchemy, alchemy emerged as this kind of hybridic um, uh, sort of study and and mode of action that combined lots of different things that combined early science and early scientific methods with, with literature, with, um, religion, with philosophy, with all these kinds of different sensibilities and modes of knowing and making and being into one kind of, um, uh, like Renaissance craft, I guess. And, um, and so that's, I think, where a lot of our understanding of alchemy today can be traced back to. But of course, it had other iterations and, and flourished at other periods and places um, in East Asia and throughout Asia, in the Islamic world, uh, later on in medieval Europe. Um, and at one point, alchemy was actually like one of the four main staple sciences of, in the early modern period. I think it was mathematics, music, physics, and then alchemy. Um, it could be, there might be one of those fields I misplaced, but um, alchemy today, kind of with the birth of the Enlightenment, it sort of shed its more kind of enchanted or kind of um, religiously inclined, um, meaning inclined sort of um, aptitudes to become what is chemistry today. I think modern chemistry totally has its um, its background or its kind of origins in uh, alchemy that has, you know, something that has traversed a lot of human history. Um, um, but where was I going with this? So that's just a little bit of a background of what alchemy is and where it came from. Um, but I think there's a lot that we can derive from both classical alchemy and also alchemy as something that can be made relevant and made contextual within life today. And that I, I think that's really um, a salient thing about alchemy is how adaptable and how mutable it is, how and yet how the kind of common principles of alchemy endure, but take on all kinds of different iterations mm -hmm. depending on context. Right. Um, well, because there's very literal alchemy with chemistry, right? Putting yeah. one, one element to another element, quote unquote, element, yeah. the table of elements, like the periodic table of quote-unquote elements and then there's this kind of more I guess uh human alchemy or spiritual alchemy where you add people together or circumstances and people together mm. and you get your realities from that yeah I'm just thinking as you were saying that like how you know like how sometimes like you might have like you know separate friends or friend groups and like Maybe sometimes you want to unite them and mm -hmm. you bring together people of different sensibilities. And so, and you can often predict, like, this is going to happen, it's going to mesh well, or it's not. These mm -hmm. people are not going to get each other and it's going to diverge. Um, or you can have a total disregard for human alchemy, which I did on one very specific event, and it blew up in my fucking face. Do you care to share that here or no? No, it's fine. We can move on. But I do know, I, I guess I should say I know the, the effects of ignoring the alchemy of right. things, expecting a sort of united front and getting definitely not that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think what I'm realizing also, what I wanted to say was like the question and the kind of proposition of what it means to 
take on an alchemical sensibility and a vocation for oneself. Um, because as you're saying, like, you know, we can easily just kind of look at whatever events are unfolding in, in our own lives or in the world and not make much meaning of it. Just say, oh, we live in this random chaotic universe that yeah, holds we're on no a meaning. flying rock yeah. just going through space. This kind of just very, maybe perhaps nihilistic, but like kind of like a boring nihilism or a nihilism that's just like disengaged or kind of resigned. We can kind of relate to things that are happening in this resigned matter of I'm just this kind of unintentional spectator to all of this and maybe I can affect some change, maybe I can't and probably I can't, you know, I'm just going to resign myself just to being here because I am. And I think alchemy is a really exciting thing because it, it really flips that narrative by saying, no, I have the capacity to be a co-collaborator and a co-creator and a maker in in my own life and an agent in the in the world that way. There's a real there's a real agency in sort of coming to understand oneself as an alchemical actor. Um, and I think that's what is really exciting for me um, about this kind of vocabulary because it's a way just of understanding in a, in a lot of different ways I think in, in a lot of aesthetic ways what is what is the kind of energetic the the emotional the mm, I don't know biographical kind of lay of the land that's going on like in human affairs anyway and if I have like a sense like a kind of intuitive sense for that can I then know how to act mindfully and skillfully to affect some more interesting outcomes here and to create more interesting processes and to refine things in a way that's really beautiful or fitting or resonant with me? Um, I should say also, you know, the kind of historic goal of alchemy um, would result in what was called the magnum opus or, or um, the great work. That was the kind of task of alchemy was... And there were a lot of different kind of um, sort of ultimate goals of alchemy. One was, you know, um, to refine kind of common base primal elements into the fine element of gold or to uh, create an elixir of life that would lead to immortality or a philosopher's stone that could cure all, all ailments um, or that could, you know, afford the possibility for a kind of um, omnipotence of different sorts. Um, uh, and I think also the, the perfection of the soul or of the mind or of the whole person to, to cultivate oneself in such a way that um, I guess you're living in alignment with what we might call destiny, that your microcosmic iteration here as a human body and a, as a human person is sort of in connection with and is in um, conversation with the kind of macrocosmic whole. And this is another big theme of alchemy. It is that of studying the kind of uh, microcosmic um, sort of uh, circumstances and, and realities that are before you and recognizing those as correspondent to a macrocosmic mm -hmm. um, large-scale kind of drama that's going on. Um, um, and, and lastly, just another note on it to kind of flesh things out further, I think um, alchemy has a lot to do, as I say, it's, it's a matter of being a co-creator with, with reality. And I was just thinking of a term from Buddhism that I think re resonates here also, is this, it's the sort of union of wisdom and skillful means. Alchemy is at once a philosophical and a contemplative practice of saying, you know, what is true? What is going on? What is the kind of... Um, um, the bigger reality, the bigger truths that are out there, but then also practically at, at a very imminent level, how do I pursue the the unconcealment of that? How do I reveal that through very practical means um, in a vocational sense? So there's a kind of techne or a kind of um, a very practical skill to alchemy too. And it's this really great blending of, of both action and method and theory and kind of contemplation and and so to that, and also it's a very encompassing kind of vocation or activity. It's not just something you do on the weekends necessarily. It really requires uh, the whole of your being, and it takes place absolutely anywhere. There's no context where it's not taking place. Right, anywhere, anytime, actually compounded forever throughout your whole life if you choose it. Mm. You know, you're always making choices. 
um, and you can choose to make them alchemical, <laughs> like informed, chemical, chemically, right. alchemically <laughs> informed choices. Maybe oh, I just had like an idea for like a job that I can give myself the title of. Maybe it's I'm an alchemical consultant. Oh my god, that's basically like just a life coach, but <laughs> worded differently. The neoliberalization of alchemy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I have a few things to kind of jump off of there with what you were saying. One is that um, this idea of co-creating with the universe is a is a an idea that um, obviously has been, you know, that's that's not like a new idea, but I I enjoy that um, terminology of co-creating with the universe of like you're mm-hmm. not gonna and it's it also goes back to agency. Like, you're not going to be able to control everything that happens to you, but you can control your reaction to it. And um, you're, it, it's always this balance of when, when you can act and what you can act with and the knowledge and, like you said, skill to deal with your circumstance. Mm. Um, but that's just, I don't know why that terminology is so impactful for me just that co-creation um but I think it's really important in terms of you know alchemy as you just said but also in terms of um greater spirituality co-creating um and then two is that I think I mean maybe you can discuss whether or not you agree with this but the way that we're using, um, you know, the, these terms of alchemy here is, is alchemy the techne or the skill with which you discover your agency Mm. or Mm. like it, can you have agency without alchemy or vice versa? That's a really good question. Um, I think alchemy can be a really powerful way to uncover your agency and to live out your agency. Um, but I think really any symbolic medium can do that, can enable that. I think it requires symbol. And I'm just thinking of the Gertz quote that I shared also. Like, I shared that because what he brings up is that humans, we are in, in a deeply symbolic, meaning-oriented animal, creature. And I don't really see how there's any possibility for any kind of transformation without meaning coming into mm-hmm. play there. Um, um and alchemy can look like a lot of things. You might not call it alchemy, but you might be doing alchemy to just reiterate that. Like I think like lots of therapeutic processes, healing your body or overcoming an addiction or just going through like psychotherapy, all of those things to me have an alchemical resonance. They might not be called that, but that's what you're doing. You're right. transforming kind of common base state into something refined and matured and, and more luminous. Um, so, no, I don't think you have to call yourself an alchemist or adopt the language of alchemy deliberately to tap into agency, but I think do, to do so is a particularly powerful way to do so. But of course, that happens a lot of other ways through traditions of faith, through through be, like being a through a career path, maybe through. Um, making something making a film making a book um making a community around you there's all the there the, i think in each of those activities or in each of those scenarios there are the kind of common elements of again transformation of refinement and of coming to a more granular understanding and a more evolved understanding and and way of inhabiting yourself um i think that's what to become an agent is is about in large part um but I think, yeah, to, just to re- reiterate it again, I think meaning is is crucial in, in all those arenas. And um, it's hard to create a system of meaning or like a, a, a cosmology for yourself. Um, as Thomas More talks about, for example, just because of how dichotomized the world of, of kind of religion and where non-religion is um that if you're not so in- religiously inclined in a tr- more traditional sense then what are you left with right how do you create kind of in this you know late industrial world that we that a lot of us live in you know what do you do what do you how can you 
sort of understand bigger events and causalities and your implication therein if you don't have a system of meaning or, or it's difficult to do it without something like a pre-established kind of big canonical religion to help you do that um so you have to make a choice i think to build a system of meaning to build an aesthetic and a kind of symbolic vocabulary for yourself and and i think the thing about alchemy at least as i relate to it it's not like i'm I'm not taking this as a series of commandments or as an ideology. It's a more like a platform that I can disagree with, that I can dispose of, that I can lean into, that I can take on. And I think it's a jumping off point. I, I find it very helpful in that regard because um, it's really self-guided. And I think it's very, it, it encourages you to become an arbiter of meaning in your own life, um, to have a system like this or a kind of tradition or vocabulary to draw upon. Um and so I think to alchemy can look like a lot of things to that. And also, um, and there are a lot of different alchemical practices that are out there. They're really infinite ones. Um, and so part of the task or the quest then is to say, how can I find a system of meaning that is evolving, of course, and always will evolve, but one that is constantly coming into contact with me and allows me to come into contact with myself and my bigger relation to the world and to other people in a way that feels fitting and that feels um uh at a, in a lived capacity is resonant for me is alchemically resonant is in accord with my own kind of just rhythm here mm. so when you're talking about the magnum opus i'm reminded by the entire you know inspiration for this podcast of the of the comet and the mm. comet becoming light becoming its own magnum opus um, I just wanted to throw that out there as an image that I just keep coming back to as the comment yeah. of like, that's a very alchemical process of becoming a person, becoming yourself, becoming the comet, mm. um, shaping off all the, what doesn't resonate and incorporating and integrating what does, right. um, so I guess, and also another question I have for you is if alchemy has all these practical uses or um, literal uses, metaphorical uses, then what in your in your studies or your opinion is not alchemy? What is not alchemy? In terms of like practices? In terms of what anything. Hmm. Is reality alchemy or are there things that are not alchemy? Um, it's a big question. I think alchemy depends in part, like I was saying, on the choice to relate to what you're doing as alchemy. Um, again, lot, all of us are sort of alchemically implicated and, and a great many people just, you know, for various reasons, chosen or not, you know, are not so inclined to be attuned to or you know, maybe just don't have the resources, the, the kind of material resources to uh, to have the kind of stillness to attune oneself to the world as a system of meaning and, you know, kind of our lived reality as, as something that has um, connections or that is connected through meaning. Um, I mean, what I'm thinking of in response to your question is that actually conversely i think really unexpected things can actually be alchemy like i don't know you could do anything at all you could be a clown and be an alchemist you could be a, a word caitlin has been referring to lately is a menace <laughs> to be a menace is an act of alchemy um or conversely you can also have the the egoic external appearance of like looking like you're doing some sort of work when nothing's really going on. It's just a kind of a superficial mm -hmm. charade. Um, I think a lot of, I think people who strike me as some of the most alchemically adept people are, are people who in a way just don't think about what they're doing. Um, actually a friend of ours, Aaron, who we're hoping to have in a future podcast, uh, really strikes me in this way. Like, um, she's a ceramic artist and does ceramic work and, um, and welding mm -hmm, and welding and is a very hands-on person and, and sort of has this very skillful sense of like 
seeing things in a kind of workshop way as something that as that there are things that are yet to be made and that could be made with her hands or with fire or with uh, what have you. And um, I think I see a lot of what she does as a testament to a kind of alchemy. And I don't know if she would call it that herself or how she would describe it in her own terms. Maybe we can ask her in a future episode. But I think the point is also in part that she's not really so hyper fixated on what she's doing she's co-creating she's not she's not un- operating under the guise that you know she can have ultimate full authority over the outcome of like how a ceramic pot comes out for example but is just kind of available to the surprise and the participation of forces outside of mm. her immediate will that can come in and surprise and kind of augment or challenge what she's enacted into the world and and I think her, her sensibility is one that's very experimental. And I think to have an experimental attitude is really crucial to the alchemical, to doing alchemical work, um, to say, because often, you know, when you're doing any kind of experiment, you start off not knowing very much, if anything, and you just say, I'm going to just do something and see what comes of that. And if you kind of pose little experiments in whatever way, a social capacity as an artist, as a a maker of some kind, uh, if you do that enough, then you'll start to see that there are connections, that there are patterns, and that when I do this, that happens. When I put this together with that, I get this, and I can get that from that. And and in so doing, you become continually more adept at um, knowing how to elicit certain kinds of conditions for yourself, or knowing what kind of conditions you'll need in order to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah, make the pot that you want. Yeah. Um, well I wanted to pose a question about astrology back to you of how specific practices like tarot or just reading your chart every day or or the kind of um, the particular astrological weather for the day or the week um, how that figures into your own kind of routines and habits and you know what that looks like and what you derive from that Um. well I don't really remember when I first read my birth chart, like, in depth. Um, But I I will say there's this common, I don't know, misconstrued thing of, oh, well, I'm a Taurus and my friend is a Taurus and I'm not anything like my friend. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's because there are fucking ten other planets. There's hashtag gradations to this. (laughs) Well, there's, yeah, there's other, that's just your sun sign. And there are, there are other alchemical things happening there, mm-hmm. um, which makes up all of these, you know, beautiful permutations of, mm-hmm. of these alchemical relations with um, whatever your birth chart is. And that also, you know, that, that, uh, that birth chart play or like the play of your alchemical makeup is always playing with um, the day, like where the planets are for the day, where the planets are for a certain event with the planets of other people. Mm. And like I said, I don't, nobody knows the mechanics of it, but like it's, there's a lot of really interesting things that come of it. And so when I really started paying attention to astrology was when these things were happening where, you know, these things were being forecast to me. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe that's not true, but I'll, like, keep my head up for it. Like, I'll keep my ears pricked about this certain reality or these certain conditions. And more often than not, they are on the nose. Mm. They're very poignant situations. But the the fact is, is that I pay attention to it. Um, right. And I lately, I mean, like I don't do everything based on astrology, but I really love a bunch, like I said, a bunch of creators I follow on social media, um, or like things that I can find myself have, you know, the forecast for the day, like a daily horoscope, which I do read and I do read other, um, horoscopes. Um, and I allow it to like just kind of be in the back of my mind like okay this is what I might expect kind of like when a pilot says oh we might be expecting some turbulence mm. 
just having it in the back of your mind of like, okay, well, I could be expecting that. And sometimes, you know, when that happens, usually there's a bit of turbulence on Mm. your flight. Um, I think most recently a more like a, a transit that has been pretty, um, you know, visible to me at least is like Mercury moved into Aries on Sunday, I believe. And I don't have a job where I have to deal with other people. So that's pretty cool. Um, but a bunch of people I know are having a lot of hard issues at work with Mm. other people and communicating to other people because Mercury, which is the planet of communication has moved into a fire sign and people are more (laughs) inclined to lash out. Mm. They're more inclined. Oh, and then also the other hard transit was uh, Saturn conjunct with Venus, which Saturn is the planet of structure and like kind of, restraint and like Saturn's like not really like a fun planet but when it connects with Venus which is relationships you're gonna have shit happen like you're gonna have like fucked up weird uh like circumstances with your coworkers or your relationships and um even though I personally haven't like I just don't see enough people on the daily for me to like Mm. (laughs) really recognize that um but like one of my friends was like, please someone tell me what the astrological weather is <laughs> like kind of joking. But I was like, there's actually like a real response here. Mm. The response is Mercury went into Aries and Venus is conjunct Saturn. I'm just thinking of a post of sun and fuck moon and piss <laughs> shit rising. Yeah, sometimes yeah. It's like that. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, the, I get the kind of like, hesitancy to attach yourself to it but um I like it I like it as my cosmology um Mm. it makes a lot of sense to me it makes a lot of physical Mm. um yeah like I don't know just it just makes a lot of sense and there hasn't been a lot that doesn't make sense I guess well what I hear is like it's a way of recognizing your vulnerability to forces beyond you in a way that's not so, like, lonely and alienated and singular. Mm-hmm. It's saying, I'm not just a a little atomized particle in the bigger kind of scheme of things. Like, I'm part of bigger currents and bigger paths and trajectories and, um, you know, junctions here. Like, there's... And I can relate to that. Like, I can make these kinds of otherwise big impersonal forces more intimate and like relevant to me and I can have a sense I can field out where my agency here is or where my kind of capability lies with respect to the bigger whole um and I think that's a really that's a very useful sort of vocabulary to have in whatever way you might have it because otherwise you're stuck in this dichotomy of either I am god almighty you know, omnipotent ruler of everything and, you know, lots of that around and lots of delusion to that end. Or it's this very kind of like intimidated, reclusive, I'm just stuck here and I have nothing I can do. And I'm at the helm of absolutely everything outside of me and neither are true. I mean, in an absolute sense, both are true in their own way, but it's it's a, always a mixture. There's always this this nexus and this kind of structure of contingency that's always changing of of where my capability my um skill my my agency um lies with respect to what's going on and yeah to be able to really give some more definition to that is a really empowering thing i think yeah well yeah of course it's more empowering for a lot of reasons too because it doesn't get rid of but it kind of helps you through the movement from the present to the future Mm. of like if I can expect this then it won't be it won't be blindsiding me right um which I think (laughs) you know as as uh, like cavalier as the statement is about to be I was expecting something to happen 
after two 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 twenty two, you know, like, and something certainly did fucking happen, mm. like, um, and just yeah, I I just it kind of takes the astrology takes the edge off for me, mm. um, because even if it's completely wrong, it still gives mm. me a sort of um framework to see events and and like you said uh ties me to a greater whole where I'm not just a single soul living on the earth and everything is mm. out of relation with me yeah you know we our world is like the historical context we live in like <laughs> we live these just very neoliberal life in a tube lifestyles oftentimes mm-hmm. or like that's really the kind of the default is to fend for yourself to to feed well, yourself it's, it's and america's yourself. And if, individualism problem yeah and if you if you mess up that's your fault and if you falter that's on you and that's simply not true like yeah. no, because none of us lives in isolation we live in a in a really deeply relational like lived reality and I think to be able to recuperate the the understanding of that in any way you can is a really bolstering thing in a lot of respects because it's a true, but also b then it counters this kind of sad individualist man on an island narrative that I think is really just the kind of readily available story or right. kind of like narrative of self that we have available. Um, I had an example. Mm. And so one of my favorite artists, it's an artistic example, but one of my favorite artists is the Greek performance artist and sort of uh, director named Dimitris Papoyano, who has directed some really high profile like performances, notably the 2004 Athens Olympics opening ceremony, which is this incredible just presentation of like greek history and sort of cosmology and he also did recently i think the 2015 european games in baku azerbaijan which was sort of a like a an ode to that the the historical um the cultural history of azerbaijan um to be shown to the world and um their performances that are just of really epic proportion and I think I was saying to you, like, he, he's someone who can make a mythology because he's, A, just studied a lot of art and a lot of, like, alchemy. I mean, he, I'll speak about it in a moment, but he studied alchemy, he studied, and he takes, like, kind of his, like, symbolic and image cues from those kinds of systems. And so is able to tap into these archetypes that we all just feel at a very basic level and move us to transport us and to show us something because of that. Um but I was watching a documentary about his um, a performance of his a couple of nights ago. Let me find the name of the documentary. It's called Behind the Wall. Um, I think this documentary was made maybe this year or two years ago. Uh, but it documents how he made a performance. I think the performance is called Transverse Orientation. And what I thought was really striking about this documentary, it's very short, um, but was how... There was a whole network of people, not just him as the director, but a whole network of people coming together to make an event from him, who was coming up with the images and the kind of themes of the of the performance, to the performers who were actually on stage doing the the performance, to administrators, to cooks, to people making the design of the stage. And it was a really interesting way just to see there's all these interdependent factors that came together to make something that was greater than the sum of its parts. And... Um, I think what he just, he was just commenting, there was like a scene where they were making costumes for the performers and he was commenting on how, you know, in contemporary life, we're pretty divorced from just like basic material circumstances. And he was saying maybe in some ways that's better because there's more complexity. We can do, we just have more mobility in a lot of respects because things are so kind of broken down and compartmentalized. Like there's people doing specific tasks that enable you know, really high order kinds of possibilities, like, I don't know, flying a plane or um, building a big city. 
um, things that, you know, are, are full of some really cool potential. But uh, he was also saying, he was lamenting how in sort of becoming separated from materials, um, we've also lost access to these more intimate and kind of primal corners of our own humanity. And I think he sees his work as like a recuperation of that because he sees sort of the conception to the realization of a performance, not just him, but in tandem with this whole network of people, he's he's doing exactly that. And he was also, you know, saying there's obviously a, a really rich alchemical resonance to this, um, that out of kind of disparate parts, there is the coming together and the making of performances that are really just sensational and impactful and I mean, I was fortunate enough to see a performance of his when I lived in Montreal a few years ago. And it really was just unlike anything I'd seen. It was just like he was transmitting a dream. It was a dream, but in waking life and on stage. And to be able to do that is a really amazing thing. Um, but it just, it, I don't know. I guess I'm just saying that I think it's um, really striking to see people who can do that, who who take the insights of something like alchemy or a system like alchemy and through their work um, know where their kind of capability lies and how they can organize things and utilize and call upon and beckon and usher in the spirits, the forces, these other kinds of materials and elements to come together and collaborate and make a really flourishing event or moment or transmission of something. Um, it's, I think it's an exciting process also because it's sort of like, it just, it does feel like a kind of a awakening, awakening or like a waking up when you realize, oh, I even have these materials here to begin with. Mm -hmm. I can use that and I can call upon that and go somewhere with that. Um, and I think, you know, to, to also realize yourself as the kind of director or yeah, co-organizer, kind of co-collaborator with all of these things that might be available to you, whether they're actually materials or, you know, mental materials, affective materials, human materials. Um, I'm getting a little bit vague here, but to wake up to yourself and to come into the awakening and the realization and the realization of oneself as a, an arbiter in that way is a really cool thing because it's a series of, of like continual surprises also. Like it's, kind of like, you know, pulling these strings out of a hat that is yourself and realizing, oh, I didn't even realize I could do that. Mm -hmm. And now I have the capability, having, you know, done what I've done before to enact this and so on and so on. So there's a lot of excitement and surprise and there's absolutely this aspect of infinite play to that kind of process. Can alchemy go wrong? Mm. Can it blow up in your face? Totally, um, even when, like, I guess what I brought up earlier was a circumstance where I didn't even consider a lot of certain things, but if you are so measured and so thoughtful with the things that you're trying to alchemize, can you still go wrong? Yeah, because there's always things that are unknown. Um, and if, I think if you're, I think a, a tenet of alchemy, as I'm realizing this is like of caution in a way is of mindfulness um, like for example, like one of the first tenets of alchemy is to keep it secret because mm -hmm. things might be fragile or volatile in their kind of nascent state. Like you might not have control of a certain kind of power, let's say, and if it's kind of unleashed too early, then it could really wreak havoc in ways that you did not intend. Um, so there has to be a kind of like watchfulness or a kind of, uh, vigilance not in this kind of trepidatious way but a vigilance that's just mature to see what you're doing and to actually have the forethought as well to, to consider where might this go or what kinds of consequences might this have um and i think that's you know when as when i say that we're all alchemists like a lot of the problems that we see a lot of the kind of suffering that we see going on of all kinds big and small global and and local um I think results in a way from what we might call just unintentional alchemy. Like it's, I did this, I affected this, I created this, but did, did I, or did the institutions that did this realize what was going to happen? Like, 
you know, climate change being an example of that, there was a renaissance at the beginning of the last century that made some really profound technological innovations and inventions, but there was a kind of nearsightedness, you know, understandably so, to with with the the lack of the realization that this would have consequences yeah. uh, for our climate, for example, uh, and for the state of you know life on our planet. Um, so there there must be a kind of care, I think, in the alchemical process, and also alchemy can be used to some more negative ends you could say too it's it's um rasputin yeah <laughs> ra ra rasputin just kidding um, when i think of alchemy i just think i think of the scary wizard from fantasia and mm. i think of rasputin <laughs> and i also think of jesus which we can talk mm. about in a mm. different episode but um sorry go ahead well that was just it basically like yeah that alchemy can be enlisted or affected to all kinds of ends and it's important to know your intentions for what you're doing. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Whatever it is. Um, are my, what are my intentions? What quality do they have? Do I want to better myself and offer a better reality for myself and others? Do I want to harm others, harm myself? Um, uh, am I maybe what, like are my intentions maybe a bit more ambiguous than that? Um, yeah, if you know how to transform something, you can know, also know how to manipulate something. And manipulation itself not being a positive or negative thing, but something that can certainly be used to control and to um, disempower others, other forces, other people. Um, yeah. Do you have any other notes about alchemy or any quotes that you want to share i think we've given a pretty good um basic and understanding of what it is mm-hmm. and that it's that it's less so an act and more so a way of looking at life um both yeah 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 i mean i guess just a question for myself that i'm sitting with is um practically speaking what is my own kind of alchemical uh yeah, vocation look like? Um, what are the kind of alchemical dreams or visions that are present uh, and intuitions that are present at a broader level, but in a more imminent and practical way? How are those things sort of pursued? Um, I think, you know, one of my hangups I have is like not starting certain projects, even if they're very small, because I feel like there's not the correct impetus or the kind of well that's just the neurodivergence babe. <laughs> <laughs> but i think alchemy is kind of this call to say no you have your intuition just do it do whatever you want to do small or large um writing something drawing taking photos um starting a project with a friend um and you know really adopt that experimental kind of spirit of saying it doesn't really matter how this looks immediately the point is that i'm doing something the point is that it's almost like there's kind of these this tunnel that hasn't been built yet i think between sort of like the big ideals and then the kind of practical means Mm -hmm. the wisdom and the skillful means and they kind of they slowly go towards each other and they kind of etch away at the maybe this rock wall that's between them and um so alchemy is a it's a very like I say, it, it's very practi- practically involved and entailed, and um, that's something to just really kind of bear in mind, because um, it's quite easy, I think, to just uh, talk the talk without walking the walk, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. Um, I saw something recently that was like, the difference between a boy and a man is that the the boy lives in this like Peter Pan way of like yes he thinks about the ideals and yes he like wants to um like be forever this like uh this idealistic person but a man is someone who's doing the work to actually enact those ideals mm. like Peter Panning or being a boy is running away from doing the the you know, quote unquote menial work, Mm. um, 
to build a life. Yeah. Because you can sit here, I, I don't know, I have a lot to say about that, but, like, you can sit here in in your high tower and say, oh, well, if everyone was just like me, mm-hmm. then the world would be better, um, and everyone would be fine, but it's, like, the the way you actually enact that is through doing work of building a life yeah if you stay in utero forever you'll never that's so true that's so true (laughs) (laughs) um get off your ass and get get your fucking ass up and work seems like nobody wants to alchemize these days i don't have alchemize as a word but i no, it it definitely is is. it for sure is get your fucking ass up and alchemize seems like no one wants to do the magnum opus these days (laughs) Um, yeah, and I think also, like, what what you were saying is, like, there's a great kind of, like, um, energizing that happens when you're really, like, alchemically clear and in touch with, like, the kind of alchemical possibilities that lie before you, the ones that are near and the ones that are far, that's a very sort of self-sustaining kind of place to be in, and I find, I, I think, maybe one way of looking at alchemy a kind of limited way is saying it's almost like you're Sisyphus kind of rolling this big boulder up a hill to achieve something impossible. And yeah, there's elements of any kind of great process or great project elements. like <laughs> you are, uh, that are really difficult. But I think actually for the most part, um, alchemy is a, what I'm calling alchemy is something that is intuitive and, mm, sort of self-supplying it's not like you have to just you know you find that you when you find that when you think in this way and when you're choosing to regard things in this way that there are resources available to you that you wouldn't have otherwise realized were there and that are very nourishing and affirming and propelling and kind of self-sustaining um and i think so i I don't want to posit any kind of sense that this is just a yeah this kind of individualist um, outcast kind of task it's really anything but it, it enlists your whole imaginative your rich inner world but also the um the world around you and others around you and i guess i was just also thinking about this notion of like having alchemical colleagues as like friends and others teachers mentors mentees who can help point out to you what you're doing who can offer other perspectives about your own process and for whom you can offer that in return and to have relationships of that kind which also augment um what other whatever projects and process processes you want to affect into the world um that's really crucial also is is doing alchemy with others um yeah i'm just thinking of our friend group again i think we were offering that to each other when we were all here last year there was this kind of and it really felt like that i mean we just sit around this fire and the way i the image i would always get was like we were kind of like speaking like making this kind of like mushrooming cloud over the fire with Mm -hmm. our ideas and our jokes and our our just the emotion that we brought to that kind of space and it was really this sense of i'm being my my own kind of work and projects are being seen by others and I'm seeing that in others also and I'm getting a new sense of myself by way of that I mean we could just call it in basic psychological terms like intersubjectivity and that's what was going on but to adopt again this aesthetic view uh makes it more human and makes it makes it felt in a more just in a more exciting way yeah well I like I like the physicality of what alchemy brings Mm. like this literally elemental aspect of alchemy is very interesting to me because we can talk about psychology and we can talk about intersubjectivity Mm. and we can talk about like uh you know whatever these these ideas but I like giving a name and a physical element to them yeah and I think, again, you know, our minds are just very inclined to to really get things in that way. Mm. To not just understand things through volumes of theory and of words, but, mm-hmm. oh, here's an image, here's a word, here's a sense that I can mm-hmm. tie this down to. And navigate more easily and right. more readily and more fluidly in my own experience right. as a result of. Yeah. 
I guess I wanted to encourage also to this end, if people are interested, I think one thing that's really helpful is like having a practice of like journaling or like alchemical journaling or that can be you know, through notes, through images, through photographs, what have you. But to kind of create an archive for yourself where you can trace the the continuation and the relationships between otherwise disparate unrelated events and, and make sense of them and connect them and give story to them in a kind of workshop of, of your own, whether that's, I mean, I have journals, I like doing that and kind of using color and photographs and other images um, in order to kind of cohere something bigger into something more immediate and tangible. Um, but there are so many practices you can take on to to relate to your experience in this way. Um, and it's exciting to be creative and to enlist creativity also to that end to think about and to have a practice of just uh, exploring how you can be in a greater kind of alchemical relation with with your own experience. Well, I guess if you're going to employ a call out like that to our audience, I'll employ my own, is to get your birth chart done and then talk to me about it. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I do like talking about astrology probably too much. And um, like I've learned enough that I could talk to like I can talk intelligently about it mm. um so yeah I mean do you have any closing thoughts um not really I think those are kind of the main pillars of what I wanted to speak about um once again it's kind of like a basic overview of things that I'm sure that we'll go into and probably have already gone to and and um I know for sure that we've a little bit about astrology and I'm sure about alchemy um, mm. in past episodes but uh, there it is a fleshed out mm-hmm. thing about Alchemical what we're doing golem Alch- <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> yeah truly yeah um, yeah and it's very much a kind of a, something that is very much in process for myself at least speaking to that end um an outlook and a practice and a vocation, if I'm to call it that, that is still so full of discoveries to be made. And I think mm. that's also what's exciting is the continuation of the development of this vocabulary and of this um, aesthetic um, lens. Yeah. Something that's always changing and evolving and um, transforming. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to the Comets Tale 